This is the EWN Podcast Network. Everybody wants to win. It's how we define success in life. Michelle Nagel explores resilience, teaches you happiness hacks, and provides tools for building positive relationships, all of which are essential for winning at the game of life. Join us to learn how to roar. Welcome to Roar to Win. This is Michelle Nagel, and our guest today is Dr. Sarika Cernahaus, who's a practitioner of acupuncture and Chinese medicine using Japanese-style methods, LED light therapy, and herbal medicine in her private practice. She's the author of The Importance and Practical Application of Traditional Food Preparation Techniques, The Funky Kitchen, and its accompanying online course, Fresh, Fun, and Flavorful in the Funky Kitchen and is a coach for Metabolic Balance of Germany, from which she's crafted a personalized weight optimization and lifestyle program, the Lapis Method. Since 2011, she's been sharing recipes and health articles on her website, naturallylivingtoday.com. Sarika is a board member for the National Association of Nutritional, Nutrition Professionals and resides with her family in northern Arizona. So thank you so much for joining me today, Sarika. Oh, Michelle, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm really intrigued by um, a lot of the things that you do. (laughs) (laughs) I do a lot. (laughs) Yes. So tell me, what is the difference between, um, so you're a practitioner of Chinese medicine using Japanese methods. How's, yes. what, what is the difference? Right. No, and you know, the thing is, is when we're talking about a medicine that is old as acupuncture is, you know, 5,000 years old, we figure, uh, they're going to be uh, different ways to approach it. Mm-hmm. And um, the Chinese way is a style that if most people have been to acupuncture in the United States, that's probably more the style that they've engaged with. And it's a great style. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like something that's a little softer, a little more refined, a little quieter on the system. And so the Japanese approach, um, and I'm speaking in generalities here because you could go to Japan and you would have you know, many schools of thought on how to practice acupuncture. But as a standard, um, the Japanese approach tends to be a shallower needle insertion, um, working with a thinner needle, um, fewer needles, not retained as long in the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a, it's a lighter footprint on the treatment in many ways. Um, it is something that um, early on, even back when I was getting my master's degree, Uh, That's when I began my study of it in conjunction with the Chinese style. And Mm -hmm. uh, it just spoke to me. It was how I felt I wanted to most work with people. And I felt that it was appropriate given that most people, a lot of people that we work with, uh, their constitution is a bit tapped out. They're they're a bit Mm -hmm. fatigued. And if you give someone a lot of needles, a deeper treatment, leave those needles in for a good long while, that actually can sometimes be taxing on the system. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to me, the Japanese style is just a much lighter um, support of the body while still getting the job done. Yes, I am so sorry you are so far away because <laughs> Japanese style is my absolute favorite. I um, discovered it in, when I was living in uh, Chico, California there was a oh. practitioner there who had studied in Japan and, oh. and my previous experience had been of all the multiple needles sticking out. So you look like a porcupine and he, <laughs> and he used one little tiny needle that was so thin you could practically see through it. Okay. And, 
and and he performed magic with that one needle. It was really amazing. So oh, I'm so glad you're familiar with the technique. That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah I kind of feel sometimes like it's a little bit like doing massage on the body with a needle because you're in constant contact with the patient. It's just yes. a nice mm -hmm. exchange. Yes, and it's it. Uh, I, I agree also that it's it's less invasive and less fatiguing. Um, I've had recently had recently had an acupuncture treatment where I was like it hurt so bad I couldn't relax into what they were trying to accomplish because it just hurt. I am <laughs> so. so sorry, Michelle. No. <laughs> yes. Oh, God bless. <laughs> And so um, you also use, um, of course, you use herbal medicine, which I'm yes. really excited about. I'm, I'm a master herbalist, and so um, I'm not familiar with the Chinese herbs, but I yeah, know. Yeah, it's, you know. it's, of course, its own pharmacopoeia, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, you know, that has its, its own way of, you know, approaching the body. Uh, yeah. I didn't know you were a master herbalist. That is brilliant. Yeah, and I'm really excited. Um, just to have you here because you've, you're going to be able to share with our listeners, I know, so many wonderful tips and tools. And right now, I'm finding that the biggest issue that people have is stress. Yeah. And as when they're super hyper-stressed, mm -hmm. they reach for the sugar because it is such a, a lovely <laughs> drug. <laughs> really. It is a drug. Let's just call it. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have a bottle. I used to have a bottle of sugar. It was it was it was in a glass jar and on the outside of it I wrote poison. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and we kept it up in our cupboard. <laughs> And so the kids, when the kids would reach up, they would go, do I want this or do I not? They, <laughs> I'll have to use that technique with my kids. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so what is a good first step mm -hmm. for a person who is really stressed and they do find that they are emotion, emotional eaters? Yeah. What's a good first step for them to be able to break out of that cycle? Because I can't imagine that's good for them. No, it's not. I mean, and boy, you do, Michelle, you just have to put a stop gap in there somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think if anybody has ever tried to break away from eating too much sugar, I think that they probably have noticed how quickly the palate begins to change. Mm -hmm. And if we just can get ourselves away from it for a day or two, it is incredible how you notice how kind of obnoxiously sweet it can be when we have the treats that we think we need. I have seen this happen time and again with patients over the years where we can just get them to stop using, you know, the flavored coffee creamer in the morning, um, you know, and pull back from that very quickly. If they were to go have it again, their palate and their body would recognize that actually doesn't taste as good as I remember it tasting. It tastes like an assault. It mm -hmm. feels like an assault. But we do, we have to have that stopgap um, where we allow ourselves the opportunity to reflect on how that feels to us rather than it just being this constant thing that we continue to do. So at some point it does require just making a change. You do have to do that. It doesn't have to be across the board. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of, you know, making the small steps and getting your traction with that so that it becomes easier to take those additional steps. And so it could be as simple as just saying, you know what, today I'm not going to have candy between meals. I'm just not going to do that. 
Mm -hmm. um, it, whatever your thing is that you know is your crutch that you lean on emotionally. Mm -hmm. Having that awareness of, you know what, I'm not doing this because I'm actually hungry. I'm doing this because there's something else that's going on here with me. Um, so just that awareness um, is such a powerful tool uh, to use as an ally in this. And then you can begin to use that tool. Mm -hmm. But combined with that is also looking at the things that maybe are like one degree of separation from what is causing that sugar craving in the first place. And that could be how we set ourselves up with how we begin our day with how we eat. It could be how we set ourselves up with how we begin our day based off of our sleep hygiene from the night prior, how we set ourselves up for sleep before we go to bed. Are we looking at our phones right up until sleep? Do we keep our phone next to our bed chiming? Um, do we go to sleep with the screen on? Um, you know, did we eat late in the evening? Did we have too much wine that interrupts our sleep pattern? You know, there are so many ways that, that we can just take care of sleep. And if we take care of sleep, Oh my goodness gracious, what that does um, in terms of helping a person get through carbohydrate cravings the next day is huge. From a Chinese medicine perspective, the reason that when we don't get rest that we tend to crave carbohydrates and specifically refined carbohydrates the next day is because all we're looking to do is to get an up. We're just looking for a little bit of energy. And these, these quick solutions of, you know, a quick blast of sugar, that is, it, it does, it gives you a quick jolt of energy. But as we know, the fallout of that is as that energy is put into the cell by way of insulin, what ends up happening is we get a crash. And mm -hmm. so we end up on this, you know, incredible roller coaster throughout the day. And it, we're always, you know, chasing down this energy deficit. And so if we can get ourselves sleeping well, I mean, that can be cornerstone to beginning to change a lot. It's reckoned that our body detoxifies and heals about seven times more effectively when we're into a nice deep sleep state. And so when we can set ourselves up that way, um, and you know, I mean, the, I think many of us have been exposed to what that information is. You know, you need a dark, cool room. You don't want to have things chiming at you. You don't want to be looking at screens. Uh, you know, really dimming down the lights, making sure you don't eat a bunch of spicy food or have a bunch of alcohol or certainly something that's going to be stimulating like nicotine or caffeine. Mm -hmm. um, all of those things, they, they truly do have an impact on the sleep. So if we can set ourselves up well, that can set us up for our waking hours really well. And then we can follow that with a super, you know, a nutritious breakfast that helps to stabilize our blood sugar for the day. You know, when someone, and, I, and I, again, I'm generalizing here, mm -hmm. um, but when a person starts their day off with a cup of coffee um, as the first thing that hits their system, and whether it's sweetened or not, um, what, what that does is that really charges up the adrenals. And it puts us again on this energetic roller coaster for the day. And so my suggestion often to folks is that rather than starting the day off with that cup of coffee, I'm not saying don't have it, but have it plugged into a nutritious breakfast mm -hmm. so that we begin having a nutritious breakfast um, that, you know, has a nice fatty profile to it, healthy fats, healthy protein, healthy carbohydrate, you know, a nice balanced meal and have your cup of coffee with it. 
because what that's going to do is stabilize your blood sugar for the rest of the day so that you're not getting that 11 a.m. dropout where you feel like you need to snack or you're not getting that 2 or 3 p.m. dropout where you feel like you need to go take a nap or have a sugary snack. Mm -hmm. When I see people having those dips in their energy that way, I always back it up to see what they're doing at breakfast time and how their sleep has been. Okay, so skipping breakfast is probably not a good idea. Well, again, you know, for some people, it, they're well attuned to it, you know, um, and their energy is even throughout the day. But I would say that that is far from the norm. Um, I think most people skip out on breakfast, I think oftentimes because they think it's going to help them to keep their weight down. Uh -huh. and, uh, and in fact, that's not, that's not what happens because your body is searching for the energy later in the day. And that's when we start making a lot of really poor decisions around the foods that we do choose to eat. And so if we can just get our blood sugar and our energy stabilized first thing in the morning, the amount of, of good that comes from that in terms of a balanced energy perspective for the rest of the day is profound. Well, that's really great advice. Um, so when we had talked before, we talked about uh, your how you were drawn to the different principles in ROAR, which is resilience, optimism, accountability, and resourcefulness. And you felt drawn to resilience. And so how is our health related to our emotional resilience? Oh, it's so huge. I mean, think of it, you know, if you've been awake, you know, all night, uh, for whatever the reason may be, um, even if you're nursing a baby and you have this wonderful, you know, letdown of all these hormones that help to keep your body and your mind calm, the next day you're pretty fragile emotionally. And um, when, when we start off a day, the sun coming up, and we're already in such a shaky place, that is going to set us up for a lack of re resiliency in terms of how we can handle best the situations that come our way in a day. Mm -hmm. And um, so to me, helping to maintain a balanced um, energetic reserve to work from where you're not dealing with hypoglycemia um, and you're not dealing with the fatigue of not resting well, that sets a person up to be able to better withstand whatever comes in the front door, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, so to me, if you don't have that physical component, your emotional component is always going to be undermined. Wow. That sounds like sleep is just hugely enormous. It is enormous. And it's <laughs> one of those things that I don't know what's up with our society. I don't see people taking it as seriously as they should. Mm -hmm. um, I, and I say that I've noticed more articles lately in the media really trying to drive home the point of what you can do to get, you know, a healthy sleep environment and how important it is. And, you know, I'm showing research that says, you know, it's one of the, the main ways of, of really cracking somebody. Uh, mm -hmm. If you're wanting them to, uh, you know, spill the beans on a crime or something, you just keep it so that they don't sleep. Mm -hmm. And, and everything starts falling apart. So if we can use it as some type of guerrilla warfare, that way, uh, you can see that it is something that is incredibly impactful in a day to day experience. Wow. So the people who uh, stay up all night watching something on the screen and then uh, get just maybe 
four hours of sleep and then they get up and they start pumping down the coffee so that they've got enough energy to make it through the day. What are they doing to themselves? Oh my goodness gracious. You know, and now here's again, I, I don't like to generalize, but we have to kind of generalize. Uh, you know, there are some people who can get by okay on four hours of sleep. There are some people for whom that really is an okay amount. Um, but when, when that's not you, um, and let's be honest, that's not most people. Uh, if you took away that coffee quotient right there, you know, if you just made them do it without the coffee, uh, the whole picture would change. They couldn't get through. Um, and what you're doing is you're really, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul uh, by doing that. Um, what we want is to have a true energetic reserve, but we can't have that if it's not there to begin with. Right. The coffee, you know, allows us to fake it for a few hours, but isn't that the, it's the most horrible feeling, that shaky, exhausted feeling as you come off of a caffeine high when you're truly, really, really, really at your base, very, very tired. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the thing of it is, is when a person's gotten into that cycle um, where they live that way, and that is the norm for them, it's going to take a little work to begin to get themselves out of that. Um, but it's so worthy. It's so worthy to, to begin to tap into really what, what is your birthright of, of true, resilient energy. Yeah, that's wonderful. We're going to take a quick break here. We're visiting with um, Dr. Sarika Cernahaus, and she is a practitioner of acupuncture and Chinese medicine using Japanese techniques. And she will be back in a minute to give us some more really great input on our health and resilience. So come back. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Welcome back. This is Michelle Nagel with Roar to Win. And today I'm interviewing Dr. Sarika Sarnahaus, who is a practitioner of acupuncture and Chinese medicine. And she uses Japanese style methods, which I think are pretty cool. And uh, Sarika, so we've been having a conversation about how important sleep is. What does um, people rely a lot on the um, highly caffeinated energy drinks. Yeah. Do you notice that causing problems for people? Oh my goodness, yes. Um, you know, it's, it's again, with Michelle, with me, I always kind of go back to what has humanity done 
you know, and what are we doing differently in the last hundred years? What are we doing differently in the last 50 or even just the last decade? What are we doing different that was just simply never available to the human experience, what the human biology is expecting? Mm -hmm. And when we look at these caffeinated energy drinks, um, there's nothing in the history of what's been available to a human that, that, that equates to that. There's nothing in our biology that knows how to handle that on a regular basis. And it shouldn't. The fact of the matter is, is those are stimulants that are so out of balance with what our body needs, that if that's what you need to get through a day, then that is significant of how out of balance your body is. Mm -hmm. So you're this far over here. So you need this extreme thing to just keep you going through a day. Again, as mentioned in before our break, you know, that's robbing Peter to pay Paul. Mm -hmm. That will at some point cause an incredible crash in the body. And it's going to show up in one way or another. But rather than allowing for that, making the space for that to happen, uh, beginning to work with what it is that your body needs, which is good nutrition. It needs good sleep. It needs to socialize with people. And it needs to get out into the sunshine and have fresh air. That's what we're designed to do. And so uh, a strong reliance on those types of products is so significant of such an incredible lack of balance. So what is um, the best kind of diet that you think that we can have? Because when we, uh, golly, willikers, I mean, you look at no. everything that there is out there. There's the, there's the keto diet and the paleo diet and the, you know, the Hollywood diet and, and, Atkins diet and the Mediterranean diet. I know. Exactly. And the olive oil diet and the grape diet. And yeah, you know, it's, uh, I remember the watermelon diet that my mother oh, went on. <laughs> yes, exactly. I know there are so many and you know, it's an interesting thing. I, uh, even being a healthcare practitioner, you know, for a couple of decades, um, I have uh, really looked at all of that and, and just wondered, okay, who has the Holy grail here? And <laughs> And the fact of the matter is, is that I believe that, that it just makes sense to look at what has worked for our ancestors. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, the thing that got us here so that now we're standing on the shoulders of the giants that came before us. Mm -hmm. um, and when we look at that, that's generally eating foods as close to, you know, their natural state as can be, eating in their whole food format. Um, and, uh, let's be honest, Michelle, most people don't do that. They eat mm -hmm. out of boxes, they eat out of cans, they eat out of bags, uh, they microwave things. Um, so even to just get back to a whole foods diet is something that is in my mind, the best way to have long-term success with eating and, and maintaining your proper weight, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm as we were talking about with the health drinks and someone saying, Oh my gosh, I can't get through my day. If I don't have a monster or red bowl, you know, you know, two or three different times of the day. That's someone who's really, really, really out of balance in mm -hmm. this arena. Similarly, when someone has been eating food, maybe their entire life that is so toxic to their system, but it's all they've ever known. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to almost go to a therapeutic new place to begin. Um, and that is where like a keto diet some, for some people can be very helpful for a short run. A paleo style diet can be very helpful for some people for a short run. 
Um, and so I'm not trying to knock these diets, but in terms of long-term sustainability, in terms of happiness, in terms of giving you a full complex of bionutrients that are available to your body, mm -hmm. um, working with a whole food balanced diet that has a nice balance of carbohydrates, healthy fats, and you know, clean protein sources um, is really the long run plan in my opinion. And um, that's why I became involved with Metabolic Balance of Germany is because I saw within that this awareness of having just a balanced nutrition profile. Mm -hmm. The difference with Metabolic Balance is that it is based off of a person's health history, their health goals, and then also their lab work. And then foods are selected for that person that are specific to what their body is calling for. And so even in that, in the first two to three phases of working with it, um, we're working with food as medicine. We're really looking to work with the foods that have been selected for that person to reverse some of the patterns that are showing up in their lab work and also possibly in the symptomology they're presenting with. But for me, the thing that was so profound about it was finally, here is something that has a therapeutic value out the gate, but gives someone a framework that they can work with for the rest of their life to maintain the results that, that they get as they go through the early stages of working with the plan. Because it teaches you, it teaches your body, it teaches your palate uh, how to work with whole foods. Mm -hmm. Things from the grocery store. What a novel idea. <laughs> yeah, really. So that sounds really, really wonderful because it sounds like it's completely customized. So if, if I were to use it, they would take, you would use my blood work to be able to tell me specifically what my body is trying to tell me. It's going, hello, this is what I want. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, that sounds really wonderful because um, I, I know that I sometimes stand in the produce section of the of, of the grocery store and I look at the things there and I go, I know that I need to have certain vitamins and nutrients, but I cannot stomach that particular whatever it is. I know. And, um, and so it's quite possible that I might need the nutrients that it has, but I, I for some reason can't tolerate it. So I think I think for the majority of us, just going shopping for food is, is, is like a, a, you know, just a, a crapshoot or just throw, throw darts because we yeah. don't really know what we need. I know. And that's, it's disheartening. Um, it's, and it's tough. I mean, I remember when I rounded the bend on 40, you know, I was eating an <laughs> organic paleo kind of diet, you know, I was eating like really well, mm -hmm. uh, by most standards. And yet I had this increasing little muffin top that was oh. coming, you know, above my waistband. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, like that happens to other people. It doesn't happen to me. Cause like I take care of myself the way I do. Right. And it did. It absolutely happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> and it was very humbling. And, and it really showed me, wow, here it is. I, even with all of my professional experience, my education, I am no different than anyone else standing in the grocery store wondering what's the right thing for me to work with. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I began working with the principles of metabolic balance, um, within a month, that started to completely shift. How would that make a difference? For I, I have friends that exercise 
for two solid hours every oh. single day and they don't lose weight. Yeah. And and the reason that they're doing that is because they have diabetes. And so or it's not that they have diabetes, it's just they're on the on the cusp of falling right. into it. Right. And so and so it's kind of this desperation effort to not go into that problem. Yeah. And yet they exercise two hours every single day and they cannot lose weight. So right. how would the metabolic process help with that? Right. I see that a lot, actually. Mm -hmm. And the thing that's happening in that instance is, and I'm, again, making a generalization here, right. but sometimes when we exercise too hard or too long, that, that causes more oxidative stress. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's something that actually lends to the burden that we're already dealing with with you know maybe a, a fasting glucose that's a little too high triglycerides that are a little bit too high um, one of the tenets of metabolic balance which I think is the most powerful of it is that it requires that we take a break that we take a break from completion of one meal until we start the next. And mm -hmm. I think most of us have been accustomed to hearing the language of, you just kind of snack through the day. That's right. how you take care of your blood sugar. And people right. even say, oh, no, that helps you to lose weight. Um, metabolic balance as, as a program um, has been around for three decades. And it's new to the United States, mm -hmm. but around the world, it has been used by hundreds of thousands of people. Mm -hmm. and, and there are some rules, and that's actually something I'm going to share with everyone today, are what these rules are, so that you can begin to just work with the framework of it. I mean, that's powerful without even having your own personalized plan. Yeah. When you get the personalized plan, that's when the magic really happens. But to just get your body used to the framework of it is profound. And so what, what happens is, is as you complete a meal, you finish a meal within an hour, mm -hmm. um, then you give yourself a minimum of five hours from the completion of that meal until the beginning of your next five to seven hour window. And all you're having in that period of time is just plain water. You're not having, you know, black coffee. You're not having herbal tea. You're not having water with lemon in it. You're just having plain water. Mm -hmm. And what happens in that period of time, Michelle, is our body goes through a number of different hormones that, that say to us, okay, I'm full, now I'm kind of not so full, you know, and we have to kind of ride that out. What we've done in the West, since we've really adopted this snacking technique, is, <laughs> is we never allow ourselves to work through what those hormones are. We're always responding to that little dip in blood sugar that happens as the insulin gets the energy into the cell. When mm -hmm. that energy, the blood sugar, uh, the sugar goes into the cell, when the insulin has done its job, what we feel a, possibly a little dip in our energy and we think we're hungry. We're not hungry. I mean, we ate, we're okay, but, but we think, oh, I need to eat now. And so we do, because that's mm -hmm. just what we do. And what, what happens in that instance, one of the things that happens in that instance is that we never get a true sense of satiety as well as a true sense of hunger, of what, what that really means to us. Mm -hmm. But another thing that happens that is incredibly impactful is that when we always have some blood sugar floating around in the bloodstream because we're continuing to snack, having a grape here, an almond here, a little piece of chocolate there, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. what's happening is, is we continue to have this information in our bloodstream. And that information is there only to communicate with the cell. And the cell has uh, receptors on it. The receptors are what read what's in the bloodstream. 
when we always have a lot of information floating around in the bloodstream in the form of blood sugar and hormones and um, you know insulin to deal with the blood sugar that's there, mm -hmm. that actually begins to cause a pattern that is widely recognized now in the medical field called cellular inflammation. Mm -hmm. The receptors become blunted. They don't, they don't have the capacity to read and bring into the cell the information that's floating in the bloodstream because they're becoming increasingly blunted. So when we take a break from eating, take a five-hour break, a seven-hour break, and we give ourselves that break from eating, you can see that takes a lot of the noise that is floating around in the bloodstream, harassing the cell membrane, that takes that out of the equation. And that's huge for helping us to begin to recover our energy at a cellular level because if those receptors become less blunted, what they can do then is they can better read the sex hormones that are in the bloodstream and all the other hormones that are in the bloodstream. Mm -hmm. So it has such an impact very quickly on the body. And so when a person does a metabolic balance plan, you know, oftentimes they lose a number of pounds in the first couple of weeks because what are they doing? They're releasing the toxicity that has been held in the cell because the cell was never able to release it because of this cellular inflammation. It's like, it's like a water balloon that's finally releasing the water that's been stored in there because if information can't get in, fomenting information can't get out, the toxicity within the cell. So when we just take that break, just that one action, we take that break, it allows us to begin to allow information in, let information out, and begin to recover our health at a cellular level. Wow, that's really interesting. So just five or seven hours between your meals. So yeah. like you'd eat at 7, 12, and 5 or something like that to do the five hours. Exactly. And only water in between. So yeah. um, herbal tea doesn't count because it's not real water. Right. <laughs> your body has to still process that. <laughs> okay. okay. Yep. And you know, um, the thing of it is, it's inherent in that though, Michelle, is that when a person is adopting this practice, mm -hmm. uh, that, that really by design means that when you do eat, it needs to be nutrient dense. Because uh, if you're trying to do this on rice crackers and cucumber slices, uh, there may be some degree of nutrition there, but it is not something that's going to sustain you. You're going to very quickly feel like you need a lot more than that. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the meals, uh, they do, they need to be, I, I like to tell people, you know, every forkful needs to be as full of nutrition as can be. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yes, that's a good point. So what are the other, uh, the other rules? Well, another one is that when you have protein, that you don't repeat it in the day. So okay. protein is nothing more than a macronutrient that is comprised of different peptides and amino acids. Mm -hmm. And so when we, let's say, have eggs for breakfast and then you have eggs for dinner, that, as that's broken down in your system, that's going to give you a complement of amino acids that are going to be similar. Mm -hmm. uh, and what our body does is it cleaves out the larger macronutrients and it, it puts those bits of information to use in the body. Well, if you keep giving the same type of framework to the body to work with, you're not going to have the full complement of what the body needs to be able to really put to use where it needs the information it has at hand. And so protein is, is such an important scaffolding type of structural nutrition. Mm 
Mm -hmm. um, I know most of us think of it in terms of, you know, what it does for our muscles and for our skin. But in fact, it's a huge player in hydrochloric acid production, in the production of new hormones in our body. I mean, it just has such a powerful play in our body. And so we do want to have a nice complement of amino acids to work with so that as our body goes out to make new whatever it needs, it has what it needs there. Mm -hmm. So just, you know, if you're going to have eggs at breakfast and you're going to have maybe beans at lunch and um, maybe cheese for dinner. So uh, that's another one of the rules. So can you have eggs for breakfast and chicken for dinner? Is that? Oh, sure. Because, okay. Yeah. So. And you know, it's an interesting thing um, with metabolic balance. I've seen on a number of plans that I've run for people, um, they can, they'll tell them how many eggs, you know, at the different phases where they mm -hmm. are, how many mm -hmm. eggs they can actually have in a week. Mm -hmm. And some people, they will recommend that they don't have eggs for breakfast, but they can have them at another meal because for that person, based off of their lab values, it's found that eggs could be too inflammatory provoking uh, as a breakfast item, but would be better at lunch or dinner. Interesting. Okay. It is interesting. Yeah. So um, any others that you had? That's, that was two. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, like I say, we have a list of eight and a half. Um, okay. <laughs> We have a lot to go on there. Um, you know, another one is that, uh, like I say, you only have that water between meals. Um, so that's actually three. That is one of them. Um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people think, you know, I'm just having black coffee. And it's, well, guess what? Your body has to humanize that coffee. I don't care if it's one grape. Your body has to humanize that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you don't just put a grape in and a grape comes out the other side. You know, that grape becomes something in your body and it needs to do it in a way that is safe for your body. So any time that you eat, again, I don't care if it's a grape or it's, you know, a huge plate of roast beef or something, your body engages every one of the systems. It engages the immune system, the cardiovascular system, the nervous system, of course, the digestive system. Mm -hmm. There are so many things that need to come into play to make sure that that is safely put to use in your body. And so it's an oxidative stress, uh, meaning it's, it's tough on your body mm -hmm. every time you eat a meal. It's a lot. Um, it's actually a very dangerous proposition. Um, the bringing food directly into the system is a tremendous way that people can get very sick. And I mean, we see that every year. Mm -hmm. uh, and so our bodies are designed to really engage the immune system anytime we put something in our mouths. And so I think also having a respect of what it means when you put something in your mouth, uh, of everything that you're bringing into play as you do that, I think that type of an awareness can change how we feel about eating. I mean, obviously, it's something that we need to do. It's part of the design of being a human being. Um, but it is also something that has a little bit of treachery tied into it every time we do it. Um, so uh, just making sure that the only thing that you have between those meals is water is really very, very important. Um, I just had the thought as you were saying that how important it is for us to be very, very conscious that our food is a whole food rather than some sort of chemical composition that's been put together in somebody's um, commercial kitchen. Um, yes, that's a big thing. I mean, turn mm -hmm. those products around and look at the labels. Um, you know, really, we don't want to be eating anything that's got a lot of syllables. 
Um, (laughs) You know, if you can't find it in your own cabinet, like as a standalone product, then it shouldn't be in the food that you're eating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I, I guess that I really hadn't thought about um, it just kind of, you did such an excellent job of explaining that, that I was able to actually visualize as I put something in my mouth, the thought of what's in this that is going to become me. Yay, good, it worked. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't think that I really have ever thought of my food like that before. You know, like this strawberry is going to become me. Yes. And and is it, you know, did I just dip it in chocolate before I put it in my mouth or is it a strawberry? So um, (laughs) so that's, thank you. At least I've gained an awful lot on that. So um, what you've also, tell me about your book, The Funky Kitchen. Well, that's, the next step. (laughs) The funky kitchen is, um, you know, I've talked about how important it is to eat foods in their closest to natural state that we can find them. Right. Um, One of the things that even along my journey of working with nutrition, though, that I found was that even with that, sometimes that's still not enough for many of us. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the funky kitchen is the book that I wrote to show people how to do a technique that, that it's called pre-digestion. It's just a horrible word. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But what it is, is it's working with the techniques, Michelle, that our ancestors worked with Mm -hmm. um, so that they could extract the most nutrition out of the food that they were eating while helping to remove the components of that food that could be problematic for them. And Mm -hmm. so um, it could be uh, one chapter is about bone broth. And, you know, broth is in meat stocks, these types of things. These are, these are uh, foods that have become very popular recently with like uh-huh. the paleo and the keto thing and everything. Right. Um, but really a broth is an opportunity to take the bits of an animal, you know, mm-hmm. a chicken, uh, some beef that, uh, that would be too tough um, or too challenging for us to put to use by just eating that animal. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you take a whole organic chicken, um, you know, with the bones and the cartilage and whatnot in there, uh, that allows you to get those components that are so important for our nutrition, because you can look at a piece of cartilage or look at a bone and see it's very different than the muscle of a chicken thigh. It's comprised of different um, components. Mm -hmm. And so when we make a broth, what we're doing is we're allowing all of that to go into solution and allows us to get components of all of that. And that's something that our ancestors did because Again, we're so far removed from what it means to to really create food, you know, to grow the produce, to harvest it, to grow up the animals, to slaughter them, to clean them. Uh, We are so removed from that in modern times. But it was not so long ago that it was that was the only way you could get that type of food. And so nothing would go to waste. You would want nothing to go to waste. And uh, because it was a lot of energy expenditure. And so a broth is a great way for us to bring all of that nutrition into a soup that makes it easy for us to put to use. So in this instance, you know, it's taking things like cartilage and skin and bones and pre-digesting that through a long cooking uh, and allowing that to go into solution. And again, it's really what our bodies are looking for because it's what we have developed over centuries 
consuming, but we've stopped doing it in the last hundred years or so. Mm -hmm. And so that's a big one. Another is also just the proper preparation of grains, nuts, beans, and seeds, um, just by using soaking, some mild fermentation. Um, you know, I'm sure we've all heard of people who say, well, I can't do gluten foods here in the United States, but when I go to Europe and I have the sourdough bread, um, I'm fine. Like, I, why is that? You know, and I come back here and I get organic bread and it still doesn't feel good to me. Mm-hmm. One of the main reasons for that is because of the natural sourdough process. The, uh, the bacteria, the acids in a souring process, they actually take that big gluten protein, that's what gluten is, it's a big protein of peptides and amino acids, and through the process of fermentation, which is sourdough technique, breaks that out into peptides and amino acids. And so that's a pre-digestion technique that allows people, uh, and I don't wanna say everyone across the board, but there has actually been research done on people who have been clinically diagnosed with celiac, who, when they are given a true sourdough bread, they're able to consume that. Mm-hmm. So this is powerful stuff. I mean, this is so powerful. Uh, it, you know, the last 10 years, everyone's ridden the wave of gluten-free and avoid gluten and all of this. Right. Um, and I'm not here to poo-poo that. It's just that it's not that simple. And it's also that simple. Because if you just use some basic techniques that our ancestors did, then you can take care of what that issue is. And so, um, so that's what the Funky Kitchen is. It's just showing basic techniques so that you can bring more food into your diet and make it easier for you to put to use in your body. It sounds very time consuming, is it? No, that's the neat thing of it. What I, what I say about it is it requires taking care of the future you. So when we make bread at home, which is the bread we consume, um, it's not like I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to, because we even mill the grain. We have a grain mill. And you don't have to do that, but it, you know, you can probably imagine if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it like the best way I know how. Mm-hmm. And so we mill the grain. And so even with doing that, when you're looking for a sourdough method, that requires time. So Mm -hmm. it's not like I'm going to mill this bread and then tonight I'm going to be eating it. I'm going to mill this, this grain, I should say not bread. I'm going to mill this grain and then I'm going to put it into a bowl with water and salt and a sourdough starter and I'm going to let it sit for a day and a half. Mm -hmm. And, but I don't do anything. Once I mix all that together, I just walk away. Mm -hmm. And then when I, you know, at the end of that period of time, then I bake it. And so it just requires some forward thinking. But once you set the stage for the bacteria and the water and the time and the temperature to work on these things, you just walk away. Mm-hmm. And then when you come back to actually cook it, like when I do this with you know, making rice or making beans, the actual cooking time is actually shortened because everything is so wet. You know, mm-hmm. It's already almost there. Right. So um, yeah, I just call it taking care of the future you. That's great. Do you also in this in the book? Do you also suggest um, like the equipment that would be necessary to be oh, able yeah. to do these things? Yeah, because mm-hmm. so. it's actually not that much. I mean, uh-huh. that's the other surprising thing. You know, you have some good mason jars at home, um, that can take you far. Um, so yeah, the book has that too. Yeah, that's really wonderful. So, um, how do people get that link to the eight and a half rules of uh, metabolic balancing? 
Yes. And so now I'm wondering, are we going to have a link, Michelle? I should have asked you that before we recorded, because if they have a link, then that's easy. Otherwise, I'm going to have to tell you what it is. <laughs> Why don't you do both? I will put the link okay. in there. Um, it's my website, which is naturallylivingtoday.com. And then that's forward slash and then rules, R-U-L-E-S. So naturallylivingtoday.com forward slash rules. And I'm okay. to get you there. Okay, wonderful. And can people um, connect with you also through your website? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. There's a contact me button on there. Okay, wonderful. That's, I'm really grateful that you spent the time with us today to uh, share with us all of this really, really great information. It's also helped me feel like um, I've been having some difficulties with my emotional resilience. And I know that um, I am one of those uh, comfort eaters. And so but I also know that I'm making myself sick, which is not helping the emotional part. So I think it's really, I, I mean, I'm really, really grateful that you shared with us what you shared today, because I know that there are a lot of people out there listening that also struggle with the stresses of the day. There's just, it seems almost impossible to just go through a day without having something come up that's, that's much more stressful than it used to be. Um, That's a good way of putting it because you know exactly, Michelle. I mean, the stress is always going to be there. It's a matter of how we respond to it. And, yeah. you know, if we just give ourselves some good basic support, mm -hmm. we can manage that so much better. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems to be like this big, huge cycle, too. Is, is, um, so the, if we can kind of recap the most important things that you have said is sleep is huge. Huge. <laughs> And, and that will help people with their health and their resilience. Yes. And then what they eat, what they put in their mouths that will then become them yes. is also really important. So if you sit around and eat a whole bunch of candy, eventually you're going to end up being a sugar daddy or something. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just sticky. I don't oh. know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, wonderful. So <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you and, so much. And we've been talking to Dr. Sarika Cerna House, and I really do suggest that you go to her website, which is um, naturallylivingtoday.com, and she has a gift for you at naturallylivingtoday.com forward slash rules. So thank you so much, Dr. Cerna House, Sarika. I really appreciate this time that we've had together. Thank you for joining us today as we learned happiness hacks, relationship tools, how to refuel our resilience batteries and perfect our roar. Resilience, optimism, accountability, and resourcefulness. Roar to win. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN podcast hosts at ewnpodcastnetwork.com.